beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And tonight we have a Bat-tastic episode for you. It's our almost all Batman episode, but not entirely all Batman. Just almost. Yeah. We're close. Yeah. Technically, yeah, everything's linked. Everything's linked. Because we always work on right. magic. He says there's some plan things out. Well, yes. I say plan things out. Like one, of us goes, one of us goes, oh, do you know this? Oh, yeah. That's how planned out we do. Right, right. <laughs> We do sound like conspiracy theorists now, though. Everything's linked. It's all ties together. Um, but before we go any further, we sh should say, yes, we are going to be talking about the new Batman film, The Batman Tonight. But before you go away, because you haven't seen it yet, don't go away. Because we're going to save it for the very end. Like we do when we want to have spoilery conversations, we're saving it for last. So first, we're going to talk about our movie. We're going to do our after the ending. Then we're going to go. We're going to do our our, our uh, top five list, and we'll do our recommendations. And at the very end, we'll share our thoughts on the new Batman film. Um, and that way, you can listen to the whole episode and just skip the spoilery part at the end and not have to miss out on anything else. So, if you haven't seen the Batman yet, don't worry. We will not spoil anything until the very end of the show, and we will give you plenty of warning before we do so. Yep. yep. So, That's Phil, why don't you tell people then what else we are talking about tonight yep. uh, besides we'll be doing, the Batman? We'll be going after the ending of 1988's Beetlejuice by uh, a little-known director called Tim Burton and starring a guy called Michael Keaton, who went on to do some other mm -hmm. bits and pieces. See, it's all connected. It's all connected. Uh, we'll then be doing our top five Batman comic book stories that we'd like to see developed into a live-action film. And then we'll be talking about The Batman, the new film starring Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz and a whole host of other people. Uh, and at the very end, we'll be doing our usual after the ending recommends, which is can be anything or everything that has been taking our interest recently. Except we're actually going to do that before we talk about The Batman. Oh, yeah. We're going to do just spent like five minutes explaining, Phil. Yeah. I was <laughs> you listening. have to listen to me too, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't just be our, our viewers and listeners listening. You have to listen to me too. I forgot. I forgot. But anyway, yeah, that's what's coming up in that particular <laughs> order, which makes which we've already stated. Uh, what else? Right. One more thing. Oh, yes. And if you are new to the channel, if you're watching this live, if you leave a comment wherever it's playing, and at the moment it should be playing on Facebook and on YouTube live, so you can leave a comment, we will be able to see it and we can. We can either bring it up on the screen and you can add to the conversation or we can you can make us laugh or whatever. But that's yeah, you can leave a comment and we can you can uh, join our discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, please feel free to comment because we do love getting those and hearing from you guys as we're talking about things. Um, but let's start off with our where we usually start off with our after the ending. So tonight we are going after the ending, as Phil said, of 1988's hit comedy Beetlejuice. Um, 
Should I do the recap first, Phil, and then we talk about it? Should I t we talk about what we think of it first and then do the recap? What do you think? Uh, let's do a little talk about what we think of it and then do the recap. All right. Well, I'll let you start then. How do you how do you feel about Beatles? Hey, I always I always quite enjoy it. It's uh, a little bit I was to say a little bit different for Timber and stuff, but it's it's not because it's just got a kind of a different vibe to some of his other films. Maybe it's not quite as manic and as mad or as, as it goes on and his style comes into it more and more. But I, I quite like the story. It's always like the the concept, the fact we're following the uh the married couple, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin as ghosts and I like the, the way we, we stay with them a lot. I, I'm also always surprised by how little Beetlejuice is actually in it. That's the thing which always gets me. Right. He's barely in the film. He's like lots of teased here mm -hmm. and there. And they almost, uh, you're constantly waiting for him to be summoned and then he's not. He eats a fly and things like that. But it's uh, I, I like the whole concept of the afterlife in that one with the, the, the handbook and things. But it's always uh, great performances, good use of mm -hmm. music. Uh, I really like the whole style of it all with the sandworms and just the design of everything. And when they're trying to, when, what are they called? Uh, Adam and Barbara, the ghosts, when they when they do the yes. thing where they're trying to scare, scare them, you know, they're, just, they're distorting their faces and poking their eyes out and things for ghosts. I, re I really like it. It's, it's a good one. It's, it's kind of like a gateway to a horror film for probably many kids back in the day. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But I, I like it. I always enjoy watching it whenever it's on. What about you? Right, right. I I like Beetlejuice. Yeah, I think um, you know I've talked before about how many a film in my younger years was ruined by expectations. You know, heightened expectations. And I I will say that when when Beetlejuice came out, I I think it was probably the most excited I had been for a film up until that point. Like I I was so just so excited for it. I thought it was like just the funniest movie ever. And I just don't think it could have lived up. It could have been you know. I don't know what it could have been like, you know, the, the greatest film ever made and it wouldn't have probably lived up to my expectations for it. And I think that's always, but then I've gone back and rewatched it a couple of times and I still always feel like it's enjoyable, but it's missing something to make it a really great film for me. And I can never put my finger on what it is. Um, but so it definitely falls in that category of like, but don't love. Um, although I do still think that the, the shrimp, the Deo scene is still one of like the greatest moments in, you know, comedy film history. I think that that whole scene is just, fantastic when they're dancing to Deo you know I can't hear you if you're talking can you hear hey, me now now I can yeah. loud and clear yeah I see that <laughs> I realized that my mic on my webcam was uh was what was being used instead of the Yeti so uh, gotcha. I I, apologies I was... for any sound problems there yeah, so if we had any sound problems for the first five minutes of the show, we apologize. Uh, sometimes both of us are a little slow on the uptake. <laughs> yeah, I just, I recall, I think there was a, a thing deleting cookies. But anyway, technical, but it's all done now. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, so like it, but not love it. That's my that's my take. on. on well, I can understand that. I think there's a few uh, Tim Burton films which can be like that. Well, and I do have a very love-hate relationship with Tim Burton. So, yeah, uh, yeah. you know. Actually, it's one of the few films of his that I'm, I'm not completely on one end or the other of. You, you know, I feel like with most of his films, I either really, really like them or I really, really dislike them. And I feel like Beetlejuice is one of the few that kind of falls in that middle of like, yeah, I like it, but I don't, you know, I don't really, really like it. So interesting. I can understand that. But the, uh, the yeah. actual character of Beetlejuice, I always liked him. Michael yes. Keaton, he's unrecognizable in the role. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's terrific. Absolutely. It's a great performance, without yeah. a doubt. 
All right. Okay. Well, let's get into our endings then. I'll do the recap of the film just to remind people sort of some of the ins and outs of what happened. So Beetlejuice from 1988, directed by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton, Winona Ryder, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis and Catherine O'Hara. So here's the story. Barbara and Adam Maitland are fixing up their Connecticut home when they die in a car accident. They discover they've been come, become ghosts and they watch as their house is sold to a new family, the Dietzes. They learn they're stuck in their house for the next 125 years and can't leave and surrounded by a desert filled with giant sandworms, sort of in the like, you know, like afterlife version for them, not in the real world, obviously. Uh, but if they want the Dietzes out, they have to scare them away. Teenage daughter Lydia Dietz can see Barbara and Adam and makes friends with them. Uh, but the Maitlands, the, the, the ghosts, they summon Beetlejuice, a spirit who can help to scare the family away. He's loud, crude, and obnoxious, and the Maitlands sort of unhire him, but not before he can cause some chaos. When Charles Dietz accidentally performs an exorcism on the Maitlands, Lydia has to call Beetlejuice for help to save them, but he demands that Lydia marry him so he can move about the mortal world freely. She agrees, he saves them, and then sets up a wedding ceremony, but Barbara and Adam disrupt it. Barbara rides a big sandworm in and eats Beetlejuice. In the end, the Maitlands and the Dietzes agree to live in harmony, and Beetlejuice ends up back in the afterlife where his head gets shrunken by a witch doctor. And that is a very quick synopsis of Beetlejuice. That's excellent. Yeah, it does. The way you're doing the synopsis, you realize it just it does go from zero to to crazy but it, it goes like right. slowly and then suddenly the last the last uh, quarter just boom yeah right up there. yeah yeah a lot happens there i was kind of like oh man i need to, it's been a long time since i've seen this i need to rewatch it because i forgot about a lot of the stuff that happens yeah. i'm like hmm, yeah definitely needs a revisiting so <laughs> um all right well, let's get into our endings do you want to start us off this week okay okay yeah i shall go all right okay it's five years since charles and delia died lydia missed her parents Hold on. Hold on. I've just realized at the start of that, 25 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's 25 years since Charles and Delia died, but Lydia missed her parents, but was glad that they'd not returned from the afterlife as they truly found peace. Adam and Barbara still haunted the house, but they appeared less and less. And when they did appear, it seemed that they'd been unstuck in time. And when they did show up, they didn't realize quite how much time had passed. They seemed more and more disorientated. Uh, Lydia had worried that having ghosts around would have caused problems for her kids, but John and William had grown up to be a couple of well-adjusted children and had a good group of friends around them. Her husband James worked hard, but on the whole, they had a great life. So it hit hard when uh, when John came in, visibly upset. Will's been taken, he said. Panic set in. They'd all been at a friend's house playing games, but on the way back, things had gotten strange. A mist had come in from nowhere, then strange lights, and Jonathan and William had passed out. When they woke up, Jonathan was alone, and on the ground where Will had been was a strangely ornate jack-in-the-box. Lydia called James, and he got some of the deputies on the case searching for him, but Lydia knew they would find nothing. She picked up the jack-in-the-box and slowly turned the key. Each turn confirmed her fears, as an almost music-box-like tone said, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Then, nothing. The box stayed closed, but the house suddenly went cold, and a voice familiar, yet slightly deeper and more malicious, spoke. You want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Did you miss me? <laughs> That's my after the ending. All right, nicely done. I like Thank it, you. I like it. Uh, very cool. Okay. Um, so 
Now, last time we recorded, I think um, I, I mentioned how we don't compare endings, and sometimes that means we have some similarities. But then there are other times where our endings go in completely different directions. And I think yeah. this is one of those times. Although there's one sort of similar uh, tactic we both used in our endings, I think, which is kind of interesting. Okay, okay. But very, very, very different. Just it's a little tiny thing. So, okay. um, all right. Well, here we go then. Here's my after the ending for Beetlejuice. <clears throat> Beetlejuice is bored. After his head grew back to regular size, the powers that be assigned him to a desk job as a file clerk, and he's miserable. He should be out there wreaking havoc, causing trouble. Instead, he just files things away day after day. But then one day, a strange-looking folder lands on his desk. It's clearly a mistake. Every other folder he's ever gotten has been just plain manila with black and white documents inside. This one is bright red and sealed completely and marked Head Summoner's Eyes Only. Sneaking off to an empty janitor's closet, Beetlejuice busts open the file and reads through it. As he does so, his eyes grow wider and wider with amazement. The file details the location of something called the Summoner's Wheel, a powerful artifact that can be used to transport him to any of thousands of possible realities. Recognizing his ticket out when he sees it, Beetlejuice makes his way to the secret location and finds the Summoner's Wheel. Spinning it, a myriad of possible scenarios opens before him. He sees a woman making a clay pot on a potter's wheel while romantic music plays. <laughs> he sees a little boy talking to a psychiatrist about seeing dead people. He sees a giant man made out of what appears to be marshmallow. There's a man with a glowing number on his forehead. There's one world where a woman just seems to be eating pie endlessly. There's a little girl coming out of a television. There's a coastal town enshrouded in, in fog. There's a giant mansion on a hill. The possibilities keep coming, spinning past him in a kaleidoscope of existences. But then one reality in particular catches his eye. It's the snowy mountain resort. There's a man there all by himself except for his wife and young son. On the surface, it's a little tame for his tastes, but there's a look in the man's eyes, something that speaks to Beetlejuice's soul. If he can jump into this man, this, this Jack Torrance, well, seems like there's no end to the fun he could have. Stopping the wheel on this reality, Beetlejuice steps through the portal and says, Here's Johnny! Oh, I like that. Very and good. That's the end. Thank Very you. Good, Thank you. Me. So we both yeah. chose to use a quote to end our scenes from one of his other movies. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. That was kind of an interesting idea that we both used that. But other than that, that they couldn't be more different. <laughs> no, I like it. I like that though. Thank you. Thank you. What a little was the, uh, I think I, I knew that. So I got all the which, I think, which was the one with the the woman eating the the pie? Yeah. So it's um a ghost story. It's the most awful movie oh, ever made yeah, yeah, um, yeah. with, uh, was it Rooney Mara, I think, and, and Casey uh, Affleck. And it's just like yeah. 90 minutes of absolutely nothing happening. And there's like a scene where she eats the entire pie. Um, and literally it's it's like filmed in real time and it's her eating the, I swear it's like 10 minutes of the movie. It's just her sitting on the floor eating a pie. It's the most interminable thing I've ever suffered through in my <laughs> life. So I kind of had to throw that in there. I knew it was obscure and most people wouldn't get it, but I just had to put it in there. No, very good. I, I know the scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can you I, like get it? I like that. Thank you, thank you. All right, so there you go. Those are our after the endings for Beetlejuice. If you are watching uh, live or even after the fact or listening after the fact, and you have a platform, feel free to drop your comments. Let us know what you think of Beetlejuice. Are you a fan? Are you not a fan? Um, but uh, yeah, there we go. Fun stuff to revisit. Definitely All right. Well, now we are going to. Um, so normally, this is where we discuss our sort of topic of the week, but we are going to actually skip that for now because our topic this week is the batman uh we're going to come to that at the end of the show because we don't want any spoilers to ruin the episode for anybody so for now though we're doing a batman related top five list phil do you want to tell people about it yeah we decided to do uh well we're both very big comic fans 
uh, regular viewers and listeners will know that. And we decided to, uh, as the Batman is based on a comic cat book character, uh, I'm not sure which one, but, uh, you know, there's many Batman storylines in the comics, which uh, some of which have been adapted, some of which elements have been uh, picked and used in other films, bits and places, and there's been some animated movies. But uh, we decided to pick some of the, the storylines that we would like to see made into films or appear in some of the live action films uh, going forward. I mean, obviously, we don't have any say in the matter, but uh, it might just uh, bring up some ones you might not have heard of, or if you have, you might agree with us or not. But uh, yeah, that's what we thought we'd do. Top five Batman story, comic book storylines that we would like to see uh, show up in a movie at some point. Exactly. Um, and I will say, and you, you mentioned it um, briefly, Phil, um, but I will say that um, there are uh, a series. DC has been putting out these um, animated films um, for years now, for about 10 years, um, the DC Animated Universe. And um, they have covered the gamut of adapting a number of um DC comics, but Batman especially. So a lot yeah. of the ones we talk about may have been done as an animated film. So if in case you're sitting there listening and you're like, but they already did that one as an animated film, we we know. Um, but we're not counting those. We're talking live action film starring you know Robert Pattinson or whoever you want it to be. If they're going to re keep rebooting with new Batman, you know, if if there was going to be if the next Batman movie was going to be based on a comic book story, the next big live action Batman movie, which comic book story would we want it to be based on? That's that's what we're thinking of. So again. We're ignoring those um, those animated ones because they really have covered a lot of um, terrain in the Batman mythos, but we're skipping those, even though a lot of them are quite good. Uh, I'm not; it's not a dig on them. We just, you know, it severely hampers yeah. your list if you include all the ones that have been adapted as animated. Yeah, there won't be many left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right. Um, so, I guess I'll kick things off then. Yeah. Um, and and I so I I went a little bit different with my list. I think in in terms not different. I don't know what I'm different from, but what I tried to do was. I tried not to go straight to the most famous Batman stories. I tried to think of ones that were maybe a little less well-known. I succeeded in some cases and not in others. Um, but my first one is one of the most famous Batman stories, my number five. But I put it number five because I feel like it's just super obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't want to like make that like my number one. No no disrespect if that's the, the, the approach that you took, Phil, if you took a different approach. No, that's cool. Um, so my number five then is uh, The Dark Knight Returns uh, by Frank Miller. It is the one of the most famous Batman stories of all time. Um, it's uh, an older Batman. Uh, he's in his 60s. He's beaten and broken down. Uh, but things start going wrong in Gotham City. So he kind of comes out of retirement um, and takes on this like Joker-inspired gang and these mutant characters. And um, at some point, he actually fights Superman wearing a tech suit of armor, which we actually saw in Superman versus Batman, that whole Superman versus Batman in armor fight scene is kind of taken from Dark Knight Returns. But I like the idea of a future live action Batman taking place, you know, 30, 40 years in the future where he is old and grizzled and coming out of retirement and, you know, uh, taking on a new Robin and, you know, facing all these weird sort of, you know, I think it could be in the hands of the right director. I think it could be really neat. And I, I like that, you know, I think the live action kind of big budget trappings of it could make for a really exciting um, visual film. Um, I will say just quickly, I'll mention they did an animated, they actually did it as a two part animated That's film. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's excellent. It's one of the best ones of the, I've had mixed reactions to some of the DC animated um adaptations but that one is terrific but i would love to see it as a live action so that's my number five it's an obvious choice but i felt wrong not putting it on here a good pick and as you say we've seen elements of it used in uh, 
Batman versus Superman. But uh, the full the full storyline would be uh, would be amazing. Mm-hmm. But a good pick. Uh, my number five. It's uh, I've got a couple of them on the list. It's an Elseworlds story. But as DC seem to be doing the multi, they've got different Batman mm. in different places. I thought, what the hell? We might as well do it. But this one is uh, Batman and Dracula Red Rain. And I've got, I happen to, I decided to get that. There's the graphic novel. It's also had a few follow-ups. Oh, there. you. Looking very cool. Look at that. All right. All right. But I, I always like that one. I mean, because Batman is, it's all about fear, bringing fear into the, uh, the cowardly criminals. And this one, it's all Dracula moves to Gotham. Uh, Batman realizes these these murders aren't quite the same, and there's strange things coming on, leaping out. Uh, he investigates it. He ends up defeating uh, Dracula, but in the process, he ends up turning, and subsequent stories of him combating the hunger while still fighting crime to save Gotham. There's also the uh, the Batman animated series, which has nothing to do with the the new films come out, but it's from a few while back. There was a great, I uh, was it a. Uh, a long episode was an actual film, but it was the Batman versus Dracula, which mm-hmm. was an absolutely incredible bit of animated uh, movie magic because it it really was the vampires are really creepy in that. And it was some quite for kids cartoon. There was some quite bits where I was going, oh my god! Uh, but it was uh, that was good. But uh, yeah, Batman uh, and Dracula: Red Rain by Doug Munch, Munch and Kelly Jones. But that's right. uh, my number five. All right, very nice. Almost made my list actually. It was it was this close to being on my list because I do I like the idea again a, a filmed version is such a gothic looking you know Batman as a vampire could be super cool. Um, yeah, interestingly yeah. enough, for my next pick, my number four, I also picked an Elseworlds. Um, same same kind of idea as you uh, in that you know why not we're doing all the multiverse stuff these days. So yeah, yeah. Uh, my number four then is Batman Gotham by Gaslight. <clears throat> okay. um, my number four. Is, uh, oh, look at that. All right. <laughs> nice. Um, so there you go. Uh, so that is by, written by Brian Augustine, who unfortunately, sadly, just passed away a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, that was sad news. Um, and then uh, and Mike Mignola did the artwork for it. Um, and, uh, I, you know, it's not – it's a good story. I like it. It's not one of my favorite, favorite Batman stories ever um, in terms of just how, you know, reading it goes. But I think – so it takes place in like the Victorian era. It's basically like Batman versus Jack the Ripper. I mean that that's that's it. And that's so that's what I what I sort of took it on was like just as a pure concept, like the yeah. idea of like an eighteen hundreds like you know or late eighteen hundreds early nineteen hundreds Batman without all the 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 car and everything you know without all the gadgets, just kind of more of the classic like detective slash you know fighter going up against Jack the Ripper and trying to solve this mystery. And, you know, I just think that's so ripe for being a really cool looking, unique film. So I, I based it more on the concept than the actual story. Not the story is not great, but uh, just that that kind of ta- that log line, Batman versus Jack the Ripper. Like, I want to see that movie. Yeah, that's basically the same. Yeah, well, I think lots of the Batman stories, you go for the basic core of the story. That's what it would be if they, they were going to adapt it anyway, because it's if they did a direct adaptation of, of lots of these things, it can end up being a bit dry. But yeah, mm-hmm. taking that. It would just be amazing. And it's, as you mentioned, it's Mike McNoll who did Hellboy as well. So the art's really good and stylish. Back when he was a bit more detailed as well. There's mm-hmm. also this one. I was, was this uh, Batman Houdini? Was that a sequel to it? It's not, uh, actually. It's, oh, a is different, it just a different um, one? It is another Elseworlds. And I actually really like that one. The artist on that, Mark Chiarello, is one of my favorite yeah. artists. Um, I don't believe it's related story-wise, but it, it, it is similar time periods, but it's um, it's a different take on that. Yeah, you can pick, pick and choose a bit out of that, but that, the whole, as the Gotham by Gaslight, yeah, that time, that time period, that uh, that Batman in the uh, the Foggy City would be uh, really good. 
Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But that's both our number four. So, okay, yeah, that's the reason why. All right, we had one tie. Now, I think we're not going to have a tie, one that we're the same. I'm pretty sure that we're not going to have it for this next one. So my number three is actually a, a three-way tie, but here's why I did that. It's not so much a tie as it is a movie trilogy, okay? okay. It is three stories that I realized when I put them all up, when I was putting my list together, would make an absolutely phenomenal film trilogy, in my opinion. Um, and the stories are A Lonely Place of Dying, A Death in the Family, and Under the Hood. So for those of you who are not familiar, let me tell you real quickly. A Lonely Place of Dying was a story where uh, Tim Drake, the third Robin, basically discovered who Batman was, figured out his identity, and sort of inserted himself into his life and basically made a case for why he should be the next Robin. And, and it really was a great story in that it really cemented this idea of Batman needs a Robin. Why? Because without a Robin, he tends to get pushed too far into the darkness and runs the risk of becoming too dangerous, becoming a killer. You know, he needs that, that light to sort of offset his darkness. Okay, so that's a lonely place to die. Then you have a death in the family. This was the famous storyline from the 80s by Jim yeah. Starlin um, and Jim Aparo where fans could call in whether Robin lived or died, um, and he died, and so he got killed by the Joker. One of my favorite Batman stories of all time. It's actually one of the very first Batman stories I ever read. I love it to this day. It's one of my absolute favorites. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And then Under the Hood was... So that Robin that, that got killed was actually Jason Todd, the second Robin. I know, if you're not a, if you're not a comics reader, this is a little <laughs> convoluted, but... Under the Red Hood saw uh, through some sort of cosmic whatever thing that Jason Todd had been kind of brought back to life in like through like alternate reality type things and has sort of become a villain now called the Red Hood, which is an homage to the Joker's original villain name. And he becomes sort of a thorn in Batman's side. He's like a grown up Jason Todd. and He's like very ruthless. And so they are at odds with each other. So I'm like thinking about this and I'm like, OK, so in the first film, we've got Robin, right? Because right now we got a solo Batman, but then Robin comes into play and we get yep. his sort of origin story. The second film, Robin gets killed. Oh, no. Tragic. Right. This is like the dark middle chapter. Right. With like it's the Empire Strikes Back. And then in the last one, we have the all out action where it's grown up. Jason as the Red Hood, who's got like guns and a motorcycle and a super like cool and high tech versus Batman. It's all, you know, just balls to the wall action um, with this great looking, cool designed villain. Come on. Tell me that isn't a film trilogy that would just gross a bazillion. That, that would be very good. Would right. Yeah. So that's why I picked that as my three way tie was I'm planning ahead. I'm making a trilogy. I'm just making, like I'm like making it. franchises. What can I say? I like it. Thank you. Okay. Well, uh, my number three is a, a storyline that was done by Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee. And I've mm. got the absolute edition, which I forgot I had, but it's hush. <laughs> and it's just, I was looking forward to diving into that, but there's the, the lovely hush, but it's all about how uh, Batman, his life starts getting torn apart by a mysterious new, Newcomer to Gotham, who goes by the name of Hush and is all wrapped up in bandages. I won't go into details as to who it is because it's a good reveal, but it's a great story. Uh, it's just Batman's a bit out of his element in some places because he just can't figure it out. And this Hush seems to know things he shouldn't know. It also features many of the, the rogues gallery of Batman, but often it's nice in that they're more like some of them are just cameos, some of them are working together and all this kind of things, but everybody's being manipulated by Hush. And when you, you finally see who Hush is, you're initially going, what, that's not possible? And then you find out who Hush actually is, and you're going, oh, my God, to get all that done? You, oh, okay, crazy. But, uh, yeah, that's my number three, Hush. It was a good one when it came out. It just sort of shook things up a little bit, if I recall rightly. Uh, but I, I do like the storyline. It was good seeing how it developed as well, issue mm -hmm. by issue. But it's a great read. 
in the collected thing. But uh, I also noticed it's not a spoiler from the film, but there's one bit where some there seemed to be like hush written on something, just like in the background scene or something. It was on, uh, hmm. uh, but it's, I'm not sure whether that was hinting at that or whether it was just something else. But uh, I did notice that word. But we shall see. Maybe they just they often like to reference things anyway, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as like a little yeah. Easter egg. But uh, we will uh, we will discuss more about that possible connection yeah. in our discussion because I do have something to say about that. So cool. Um, but my number two then uh, will sound familiar because it is also Hush uh, oh. because it's one of my favorite stories. Now, admittedly, I'm a little biased because Jim Lee is my all time favorite comic book artist. But I think the story of Hush is great. Like you said, I love this idea of a villain who kind of seems to know Batman's every secret. He's a great looking villain too it's such a simple um uh, such a simple design you know he's basically like a mummy like to looking dude like a guy with bandages around his face wearing like a big trench coat right i do love that coat it's a cool coat right it's just but it looks so great and i think yeah. the storyline what i like about it for a movie too is it's so filled with all these all these villains all these characters they all have kind of small parts here and there you can do as many or as few of them as you want right you could just bring in like you know, Killer Croc and Poison Ivy. You could have all the different villains show up. You could keep the Superman element in, or you could leave the Superman element out. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, but the story itself is such a solid story, and, and the Hush villain is so interesting that you don't, you know, I think you can play a little bit with it and still come up with a very satisfying adaptation. Yeah, um, totally I, it agree, is man. great. What's that? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, you could just have whichever villains happen to fit in and characters and stuff. It's You can move things around and it would still work, the, the basic yeah. of the story, yeah. Yep, and we have a comment from uh, one of our viewers, Wayne, who says he noticed that Easter egg as well. You guys clearly have better eyes than I do because I did not Wayne. notice that Easter egg. But I will discuss what I noticed when we get to our spoiler-filled uh, conversation a little bit later. Um, but I did not notice the hush thing. Or if I did, I forgot about it. Maybe I saw it in the moment and then I forgot. There's a lot, a lot of stuff going on in that movie. It's three yeah. hours long. Yeah. So, But we'll come back to that. So good eyes, Phil and Wayne. Okay, so that's my number two then. Uh, yes, what's your number two, Phil? Uh, my number two is uh, it is one from 2001, I think. It was uh, another one by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. It's a mm. sequel to a comic book called uh, Batman The Long Halloween, mm -hmm. which elements of this were used as inspiration for the Batman. But it's a sequel. It's called uh, – I've just got all these out because I've, I've found them all again. I want to yeah. read them all. That's Great. easy. It's a Batman Dark Victory, which has mm -hmm. quite a striking cover. Uh, but it's sort of it follows on from the Long Halloween and the Batman, the crime story, which goes on from there, carries on. It also involves Two Face, but it also it sort of like brings in uh, Robin for the first time in this 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 particular iteration of Batman. Mm -hmm. Shows how the reason why Batman needs a Robin and why he's you know he gets Robin to you know he's making a child fight crime with him but it's 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 good how it's brought in it's uh it's it really works well because i mean look, that's one of the arguments lots of people who don't read the comics or many of the comics go well robin's ridiculous why have you got him and all this stuff but there's it's always a good reason when written well and it's i think it's the introduction is done well and it's, mm -hmm. it's quite late on in the actual thing if i recall right but, right, but it's uh i think that'd be a good one and i could see elements of this being used in a sequel to the batman as the long halloween was one of the inspirations yeah yeah like the whole crime drama and the, the grittiness to it. But it's, uh, yeah, that's my number two. And also, I, again, it's a good cast of characters. There's lots of uh, the grounded uh, mafia kind of mob kind of villain villainy going on, but then there's also the rise of the more uh, bizarre versions of uh, of the rogues gallery that Batman often fights. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I didn't make my list, although I thought about Long Halloween and Dark Victory. I didn't put Long Halloween in because I, I think, I don't know, I'm not convinced it works as a film necessarily. But then I didn't put Dark Victory because it's been a while since I've read it, to be honest with you. And I, I remember that I liked it very much. I don't remember enough of it well enough to to earn a place on my list just yet. So I left it off. But I think it's a great choice because it is a it is a great book. Um, all right, nicely done. Well, my number one is also a tie, but it's not so much a tie as it is one story that leads into another story that I is what I want to see. But they you need the first story to include the second story. Um, okay. But um, so technically a tie, but it's not really. It's just one big storyline. Um, and it is Cataclysm and No Man's Land. Oh, so okay, yeah. Yeah. Cataclysm was a story that ran through the Batman books where there was an earthquake that hit Gotham City and Batman had to go around like saving people and, you know, doing the hero thing and all of that. No Man's Land was in the aftermath. It was a very long running story where basically the government declared Gotham City as like a as a, a just a completely dead zone. Like it wasn't worth saving. It was going to be too expensive to refix it. And because it was like an island, they basically decided to just cut it off. And they said, basically, it's a little bit like uh, Escape from New York. You know, it's, you've got 48 hours to get out of Gotham and then we're blowing the bridges and you're all stuck. And it's every man for himself. It's it's martial martial law. Um, and. I think that's awesome. It was a great story that I love, but I also, if you guys know me, if you're, if you're a longtime listener of the, uh, or watcher of the show, you know, if there's two things in this world, I love it's comic books and also disaster films. Right. So the yeah, idea yeah. of a Batman disaster film, right. Batman, like this is definitely more than one film, right. This is another trilogy, but Batman, like the first film, it is like, you know, earthquake in Gotham city and it is Batman trying to save people and, you know, and do stuff like that. It gets some real big scale destruction, some big special effects. I love it. But then you've got at least two films of this, you know, now it's no man's land and he's trying to like get save the little guy in this completely overrun by bad people because Gotham is not a good place. Right. Um, and he is just like running ragged because it's more than he can handle. And he's got his bat team helping him, Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl, um, all that good stuff. Um, but I think it'd be awesome. And in this storyline, they introduced Cassandra Kane, who was like a new Batgirl who was like oh, raised by an assassin. So she was like a super deadly Batgirl. That would be very cool to see her in the films as well. Um, so yeah, you give me a Batman disaster movie and, I'm I'm all there. So Cataclysm and No Man's Land, that's my tie for number one. I I, I, I'd definitely be up for that. I mean, they used elements of the No Man's Land in uh, The Dark Knight Rises. But it's yeah. just, that was yes. sort of, it, it did, but it never really got into it all. It was sort of like that was done. And it's just, you never quite, I never got the feeling that, you know, it was cut off. Yeah. And Batman, when he did arrive, he never really did anything about that. It wasn't, right. It wasn't that. That was much more of like because it was like the Bane storyline. The the yeah. the No Man's Land in the comics really is very apt uh, comparison. Is like take Batman and drop him into Escape from New York, and that's what No Man's Land was yeah. like. Right? It wasn't just sort of like yeah. people sitting there freezing and miserable. It was like all of the scum of the earth came out and we're just making Gotham city their playland. And there was no police, no emergency services, just Batman and a few of his helpers trying to like save people's lives and keep the peace. And it was a complete nightmare. Like that's much more of what it would be like than like the way they did it in, in that, that movie, which I'm not a fan of. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's I, I think it'd be really the actual, yeah. Based on that, the comic itself, that'd be really good. Apparently they did it in Gotham. Uh, according to Wayne, he says they did that in Gotham. They just used that in Gotham as well. Yeah, that I, I will cop to ignorance of. I, I stopped watching Gotham, I think, in the second season. So I didn't realize that. Um, knowing what I know about Gotham, I don't think it's a bad show, but I, I'm guessing it probably didn't hit the full scope of what I'd like to see in like a movie. Um, but that's good to know. Maybe I'll check out that, that season. Cool. Thanks, okay. Wayne. 
my number one is one I don't actually own. The collected, I read it, I read it like individual bits. Or if I did have it, I don't know where it is. That's but okay. it's it, it's a story which I think it went on a bit too long. With the actual bare bones with the concept of it, I picked this mainly because although it's not one of my favourite storylines, I just think it'd be it'd work really well as a film. And I think there's room within the mic crop up as well. But it's the Court of Owls storyline mm. from 2011. Scott right. Snyder and Greg Capullo, where Batman discovers. Uh, a conspiracy that's been been going on for centuries. It's, there's this mysterious organization called the Court of Owls uh, who's been controlling Gotham from behind the scenes. They've been behind many different things that Batman's been going through over the years. I just like the whole concept of it and the whole the, the design of the masks. And they have the uh, the soldiers, basically the talons, that's what they are, they, who are really good they have some abilities and things like that but it's i just like the whole concept of this there's gotham uh and then there's the criminals who run gotham and then there's the corrupt officials and then there's there's other people pulling their strings but behind it all there's the court of owls and there was the cool little rhyme that was associated with them but i, I liked it in the comic books the main part i liked was when batman's just slowly discovering this and there's the clues which are coming up and he starts going no this can't be what this this com this doesn't make sense. This can't have been going on. Then he he starts realizing just how deep it goes, and then he's there's a bit where he's going through the maze, and he's just slowly going mad and things like that. But I really I really like as I say, it's sort of I feel like it just it either went on too long or just got a bit too convoluted. But at the core concept of it, the Court of Owls, I think would make an amazing film. And I think if the the sequel to the Batman, if it was he took elements from the Court of Owls and Dark Victory, I think that could work really well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you may get your wish on that one, Phil. Uh, the current rumors on the street are that the Court of Owls storyline is going to be developed some way or another in some sort of Batman thing. Yeah, I think yeah, either yeah. the next story or maybe the um, the Gotham Central show, I think they're working on or something like that. that. It'd, be, it'd be nice if they built up. I mean, if DC had a more cohesive kind of right. something, they could build up the court. It could be like a little clue. Maybe there was some clues in the Batman. I don't know. But right. it'd be nice if you had little things here and there, especially with, mm -hmm. if they got these spin-off shows related to the Batman. Yep, yep. And just, just things where even it's just like some graffiti and things like that, but like clues built up and then eventually you go, oh, no, the Court of Owls has always been there. And you go, oh, no, they have when you show flashbacks. That would be good if they could do that, but we'll have to wait and see. But that's my number one, the Court of Owls. Good choice. I like it. I thought about it for my list. I actually came very close to making it on there, but I ended up not putting it on. So I'm glad that you mentioned it. So there you go. Those are our top five Batman comic book stories we would like to see made into movies. Uh, I think both uh, some good lists there, some some really good reading. If you guys are, are looking for Batman stuff to read, maybe you went and saw the movie and you're like, oh, I want to read some of these comics. Um, any of the graphic novels that we mentioned, all of them are collected into, into you know trade paperbacks you can buy online or at stores. Um, and they're all worth reading. I think every single one of them is a great story. So yeah. I did have some, I had, a, I had a, some honorable mentions. Oh, great. Well, let's hear it. Yeah, this one is uh, The Cult. Uh, yeah. Batman, basically, there's this weird cult going on in Gotham. Batman gets pulled into it, and it's just bad things happen. Yeah, I love, uh, I love The Cult. Good stuff. Yeah, that's, uh, I've not read that in a long time, but it's I'm being really good. Yep. There's Batman Year 2, and that's Batman holding the gun. Yeah, uh, also I, I, in my list. Yeah, that's uh, that's just a real good one as well. I just checked that one out, and then there's this one which I could actually see being turned to a really good one. Uh, it's come on, what year it is? But it's the uh, the Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah, that's a great that, story. That one's a little bit different because it features uh, Dick Grayson as Batman, uh -huh. but it's a real good mystery, and it's a bit more again similar in, into the tone and feel of uh, the Batman. But uh, they're all worth checking out. Uh, Indeed. Already, but, uh, mm -hmm. All ones I considered for my list, actually, Phil. So yes. you're on the ball, sir. 
Thank you very much. All right. Uh, okay, so there you go. So that is our uh, top five list for the week. Now, normally um, we would uh, we would again jump into our discussion of the Batman now, but not yet because we don't want we don't really go away until they have to. When we get to spoilers. We're not the spoilers yet. We're still got one more thing to talk about before that, which is our our ATE recommends. What are Phil and I digging on right now? What are we enjoying? What are we into? What's uh, caught our fancy? Um, so, Phil, why don't you start us off for this one? Yes, I've got two things. Great. Let's well, one hear of them is it. the different things, and I've realized the main core rulebook isn't here, but I recently got a, my Kickstarter version of Hellboy, the role-playing game. Oh, cool. We mentioned Mike McNola before did Hellboy, but it also included this bag, which features the BPRRD logo. Yeah, that's uh, sharp. All really good. Uh, the main rulebook, though, is in the other room. I forgot to bring it in, but it's got that's lovely right. it's, it's got lovely Mike McNola artwork. Also came with this uh, field manual. Nice. Which has got some uh, various other rules, supplements about making your own cases, and includes some case files. Uh, it's all based on the fifth edition D and D, the basic core rules, with some extra little bits and pieces, uh, which just make it a bit more Hellboyish. It also, oh, there's there's the the Games Master screen, featuring some lovely artwork. Oh, as that's always. sharp. Yeah, that's sharp. Really nice. Opens up. I think there's a bit more. Yeah. So all in all, we've got all of this. Wow. The GM screen. Uh, it's it looks really good. I've not played it yet, but it, it's also there's a the hell from the same people, Mantic Games, who did Hellboy the role playing uh, the board game, which had loads of cool miniatures, and it's all you can use all those miniatures with this if you want to use them on your your game. Uh, as I say, I've not played it. Looking forward to playing it. There's something else about it I was going to say, but I have forgotten. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. But that's that. And the other one is another. It's to do with Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not sure if I've cut mentioned this before but it's the book the monsters know what they they're doing combat tactics for dungeon masters by keith aman and it basically goes through many of the monsters it's uh it's just it's big it's book. huge yeah but it goes through each monsters and then he talks about their different abilities and how you how they would use it in during a battle so mm. you can actually instead of it just being your players going up against different creatures but the fight being the same all the time because you just you're not quite sure yourself. This one gives you tactics about they'd run in, they'd use this ability, then they'd come out or they'd grab one of them and then they'd run away. It really goes in depth into it and really makes you think of it in different in a different way. And it can add, it can make each combat scenario in your Dungeons and Dragons game a little bit different and it can keep the, the players guessing. And also then if they, they go up against a similar creature or bad guy again, they'll go, oh, remember this time they'll do this and that. But it's it's real good. It sort of opens up if you're dungeon master and just need a little bit of help or just a refresher, just to make things uh, kick and pop again for your players. That's worth getting. Yeah, very cool. All and right, that's, that's uh, my two recommendations. Excellent. All right. Well, I only have one this week, um, and it's a big one. I now normally I like to keep my recommendations pretty affordable. This is definitely one of those like if you are indulgent and have a couple hundred extra bucks to spend type of recommendation. Sorry, but it's just cool. It's been sitting in my office staring me in the face, and I finally I was like, all right, I got to show it off and let people know that it's out there. So it's it is this. It is the Middle Earth. 31 disc ultimate collector's edition it's pretty extra not gonna lie uh, but if you're a lord of the rings or hobbit fan or both it's pretty beautiful so just wow. to show you real quick so what it is it's it's all six movies um on 4k ultra hd and on blu-ray which is pretty beautiful um and it opens up now i can't get it to open 
as I forgot how it opened. It's kind of got this funky. Oh, there, it's magnetic. See this funky box that you can configure different ways. So you can put oh, it like, that's cool. yeah, yeah. out type of like chunky box, or you can go more for like display box if you want, right? Wow. And then I think there's one other configuration that is now escaping, but I believe there's one other way that you can display it. But then it's got um, it's got all six films, like I said. Uh, and I think it has like a, a, a disc or two of extra features. There's like a little booklet in there. Um, like I said, 4K, Ultra HD. It's, it's got the extended versions and the theatrical versions of all six films. This is why it takes 31 discs because we yeah, all know yeah. how long they yeah. are. Um, but it's kind of great. And it, has, and it comes with digital copies. So it's really nice because I, I kept the box because it's beautiful. But I also put them all in my digital um uh, li library and what's great because when I first went into my digital library after I put them in there it was just Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit as far as I could see because there's two <laughs> versions of each film you know what I mean um, so it's just really well done it's just a beautiful package um, the films look and sound great in high def like in ultra high def it's really like a, a just you know so if you are a fan of the films um, it's it's like the ultimate ultimate package that you can get I think for those movies. So that's it. It's the middle earth 31 disc ultimate collector's edition. So there you go. If you've got 27 hours to kill, <laughs> I recommend this. You can do it all in one sitting. Excellent. All right. Very nice indeed. Yeah. It's really pretty cool. So like I said, I, I don't usually go for the, uh, the big expensive ones, but you know, once in a while, yes, yeah, sometimes you cheat, cheat people yourself. know what's out there, you know, yeah, and I've also remembered what I was going to say about the Hellboy role-playing game. In the, okay. the rule book, it does include uh, stats and full details of Hellboy, Ape Sapien, and Johan and all the rest. Very so cool. So if you wanted Very to, cool. you could, they're all basically level 20, I think, which is like mm -hmm. one of the highest. In D, but it's if you wanted to just role-play, have your players role-play as the core team, they can do yep. that. So one of you can be Hellboy going, oh, crap, and then punching Nazis in the face. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> all right. Very cool. Okay, so there you go. That is our ATE recommends for this week. And that is going to bring us now is the part of the show where we are going to talk about the new blockbuster film, The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson. Um, alternately, you could call this film Patman or Battinson. I, I haven't decided which one I'm going with yet, although I, I do like Battinson, I think, is what I'm going with. Um, but... We are about to get into spoilery territory. So if you're watching live or if you're listening after the fact or you're viewing it after the fact and you have not yet seen the Batman, this is the point at which we'll say, hey, thanks for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next time. After the ending. Okay, but we're not really leaving yet. So if you have seen the Batman, keep listening because this is where we're going to talk about it. We're going to share our opinions. We're going to be free, a footloose and fancy free with our thoughts because we're not worried about spoilers at this point because we've given you fair warning. This is your absolute last warning. If you're still listening and you haven't seen the Batman, then either you don't care about spoilers or I don't know what else, what other reason you could have. You just so, don't You just don't want to be you don't care. Yeah. yeah. So Maybe spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead, everybody. Yes, there we go. Um, so we like only we don't do this all that often, but once in a while, when there's a really big movie that everyone's talking about. We like to dig into it a bit, and since we both have had the chance to see the Batman in cinemas, um, and because everyone is talking about it, we thought, hey, we want to talk about it too. Let's share our thoughts. So, Phil, tell me, what did you think of the Batman? I am vengeance. <laughs> it could be just called vengeance. Uh, mm -hmm. I loved it. I thought it was great. I mm -hmm. I really did. It was. It felt very much like a comic book uh, Batman. Uh, I just loved the whole look and feel of it. 
Gotham looked amazing. Uh, Robert Pattinson as as Batman was incredible. The design of the suit, uh, the Batmobile, just the the set design and just things were, were fantastic. Uh, I like the story. I love, I love the fact we finally got a detective, mm-hmm. uh, proper detective, Dark Knight detective story. Mm-hmm. Paul Dano as the Riddler, chilling and a really effective use of it. But uh, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. The spawn cast was great. Uh, yeah, that's that's my base. That's my basic thing. I, I loved it, and I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. I um, actually, I mentioned expectations earlier. I, I went into a fairly low expect, not low expectations, just no expectations. You know, I, I don't have a lot of faith in DC. I thought the trailers for the film looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was one of the people who thought Robert Pattinson was going to do a great job because he's a great actor. And I feel like if you've ever seen the movie The Rover, you know exactly how good of an actor Robert Pattinson is. So I was never worried about him. But you know, I, I was kind of like, all right, you know, another Batman film. I haven't loved the last few portrayals necessarily or, or just kind of the way they've done him in films. Um, and I, you know, then I heard it was three hours long and I was like, oh, my God, like most films just do not need to be three hours long. So I went into yeah. it just kind of like, all right, well, let's watch this and see what happens. And I, it's funny. I was telling a friend of mine, I was talking to a friend of mine about the other day. And I, I said, you know, I think like for the first hour or so in, in the back of my head, I was sort of looking for things to to find fault with where it was like, see, this didn't need to be here. Why is it three hours long? Because I was so annoyed about the fact that it was three hours long, but at a certain point I got over that because I was just enjoying the film. Um, you know, and, and I think that's really impressive. Um, I still think it could have been a little bit shorter. I don't think it needed to be a full half hour or three hours. Yeah, yeah. 230, 240 would have been, would have been fine, but there's not a ton of fat on the film. Um, you know, there's not a lot of wasted stuff. I, 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 there are a few flaws. I do, I do have some flaws with it, but overall I did, I did really, um, I did really enjoy it actually. And I do want to see it again, which is surprising to me because it is a longer film, but I'm like, yeah, I want to jump back into that see what I missed the first time. And just sort of, immer- it's very immersive. Like you definitely feel like you're kind of in it, but, but here's the thing I'll say, unlike, for example, um, the Dark Knight, which is one of the most overrated comic book movies, in my opinion, um, as much as I love Heath Ledger, I remember coming out of The Dark Knight feeling like I had been physically assaulted. Like I was like exhausted after watching that movie. Like I just felt like beat up by it. You know what I mean? I was like this movie like attacked me. I don't I didn't enjoy that movie because it it assaulted me. You know what I mean? And I don't hate The Dark Knight, but I don't love it either. But this movie, I didn't feel that way when I came out of it. Do you know what I mean? Like I felt yeah, like yeah. I came out of it being like, OK, that it was it was dark. And it was, you know, serious, but like, I didn't feel like it hated me. I didn't feel like I had been beaten up for watching it. I came out of it feeling like, hey, that was pretty cool. You know, I felt like excited, not like drained. And that's really impressive, I think. No, it's, it's a good point. I mean, I, I think one of the good things was it actually, it it was a Batman film. We were we were following Batman because lots of the other films, it's often the, the villain overshadows him. We spend more time with the villain and things yes. like that. Yes, uh, but this time it was we were with Batman from the very beginning, from the voiceover, uh, which like uh, which reminded me of, like Rorschach kind of thing and keeping the diary. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I really like that. But it's as I say, yeah, it's it's three hours long, or just shy anyway. But uh, like you, it's it it did it seemed to fly by for me. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's some scenes which probably went on a little bit long. If you want to cut it down, it wouldn't be taking out big chunks. It would just be like shaving off a little bit from scenes here and there i think yeah yes probably shave about 15 20 minutes doing that but i i I liked it the fact it took its time because it was a detective story we got batman trying to figure this out himself he's trying to figure out how to be batman he can't Mm -hmm. understand why what he's doing isn't changing gotham 
because mm-hmm. that's what he is in terms of things just seem to be getting worse. But I like the way it's him learning and the fact I love the fact as well he wasn't the, the Batman we've seen previously where he can do all these things easily enough. Like when we see him jumping off the building and with the wingsuit and he, he finally comes to land and it just it goes dreadfully wrong and he's just rolling along. I was going, Oh my god, it's just yeah. you know, we see him get winded and wounded and, and things like that, and he's just he doesn't know he's not the all knowing planning for everything Batman who we know in the comic books and how he seems to end up sometimes but he's, it, if anything it felt almost like it could have been a, this could have been the sequel to Batman Begins more than The Dark Knight was, it could have been in between those two films because he's yeah. still, Batman Begins he's putting it all together, learning mm-hmm. and this, the Batman, he's still doing the same and it's it's moving on and then it could be bringing things in like that but yeah it took, it's, I like the pace of it, I think it worked well yeah, yeah, agreed. So let's do this. Let's do this. Let's um, let's share some things we liked about the film. We'll sh- you know, some, let's go through and talk about some of the things we liked a lot, specific things. Uh, again, spoilers for anybody who's who's you know still watching or listening. And then we can go through and share some of the, any of the you know flaws or things we didn't like about it, and just you know to give a fair shake because there's a few yeah, yeah. things that I had yeah. issues with, and we'll kind of do it that way. I think so. How's that sound? That works for me. Yeah. All right. You want to start? You want me to start? What do you want to do? Oh uh, yeah, you go. You kick things off. All right. There's so, so there's definitely a few things that I I, def- I really liked about the film specifically. One of the ones that I'll mention is um, the score, the film's score. I I yeah. think it's fascinating how they took Batman's theme, his like motif, and it's basically just an orchestral version of the Nirvana song, something in the way, which they use in the movie, and then they just follow that up every time Batman's on screen with that theme, and it's so haunting and so dark and yet it works so and it's so simple it's like two notes almost like a jaws theme but but not the same but um i was really impressed by that because at first i was like are they just using something in the way as the film score and by the end of the movie i was like waiting for it like come on let me hear it let me hear it you know yeah yeah that was neat i like that a lot well it's like Um, yeah like i mentioned on uh when you commented on that i also mentioned it reminded me of the uh, the imperial march from star wars right the way just the the tone of it and this to feel it's that building up and uh yeah no that's yeah, the, it was really good. the the whole The whole sound design was fantastic. Yes, yes. Because okay. I like it. I loved. I love the opening scene as well, where he's talking about the shadows and how the 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 signal. It's like calling to him, but it's also a warning. And you see all these other these low level mm. criminals suddenly looking at shadows when they see the signal and going, "Oh," and he's going, I, "I'm just one man. It's a big city. Can't be everywhere." But you just see them all panicking. And then yeah. when he finally does appear, I love the fact it's just a. <clears throat> of his footsteps because yeah. usually it's always like he's quiet and just appears from nowhere but i liked how it's is because it happened a few times you just hear his footsteps and then he comes out the shadows that that, that uh that build up to seeing him was great yeah yeah um another thing i liked you know they have a history uh in the batman films of casting actors with like the most distinct mouths on the planet michael keaton val kilmer christian bale have <laughs> such distinct mouths robert pattinson was the uh, george clooney even was the first bat because his chin right first yeah. batman who when he was in the suit you really believe that he could be talking to you and you'd have no idea he was bruce wayne because he yeah, looked no, so no. nondescript he just looked like batman he didn't look like robert pattinson you know what i mean like they didn't pick somebody with the super distinct mouth where you're like, well, duh, that's obviously Michael Keaton. You know what I mean? Um, and I really like that because I think it really it helps to sell the the kind of mythos of Batman that he is sort of this everyman or could not everyman, but like he's this anonymous figure. He's just Batman. He's not someone under the mask. You know what I mean? So that I really liked actually. It's one of those things I was watching. I was like, he just looks like Batman. You're like you don't look yeah. at that and go, oh, that's clearly this guy. You know? No, so I, I, like I agree. I do like that. He did look great in the suit. The suit design was fantastic. Yes. Uh, 
still wasn't quite sure about him being bulletproof, but uh, that's another thing. But uh, I also like the fact as well that uh, they didn't gloss over the fact he was wearing uh, makeup, you know, yes. he had, he had, like eyeshadow, because he took it off, it'd still be... Uh, he was still on there. I like the right. fact when he was making into the club, the nightclub, he took off the suit, had it in a rucksack, and he still had the makeup around his eyes. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that that was a part of it. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. I also like the way he did it. There was lots of bits where when he was Batman and people were talking to him, he wasn't saying anything. He just gave them a look. Until mm -hmm. the there was lots of that. You know, basically, you know, inside he's going, yeah, I'm Batman. That's why I'm doing this. But right, he, right. Because they could have had him a bit more talky, but they didn't. They kept him I get the feeling he probably cut lines uh, out, yeah. out at the end, but uh, I like the the stillness and the quietness of him, which was really good. Yeah, and sometimes, to that effect, I think sometimes people, when they write Batman, whether it's in movies or in comic books, they make him kind of an a-hole. You know, it's like, and, and what I liked here was that, you know, Pattinson's portrayal, he was, he was quiet and he was all business, but he wasn't like, like there are times when you read Batman, and you're like, this guy's a jerk. Like, don't be a jerk to police officers. He's just doing his job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and I did like that aspect of the story too, where he was cooperating with the police, and there was clearly mixed feelings among the police about him because this is again early on. It's year two, right? Um, and so it's you know there's still some some misgivings about him, but he was working with them, like in the early crime scene. You know when he comes in to inspect it and stuff. I thought that was cool, but I did like him much more as sort of just quiet and observing and speak only when needing to say something rather than being like sort of this big fat jerk character you know i kind of like that too oh totally yeah i also like that was the other thing i love the fact because when he's doing his detective stuff it's always like he's just watching mm -hmm. things and he, i was always thinking when they go and go with this cipher being left is these clues here and he's just looking at stuff i was going i was going well how's he going to remember all this how's he going to do this i love that edition of the uh yes. the contact lenses where he's yeah. recording everything you see and i was going that's fantastic that covers yeah. so much right it right makes it so so yeah he doesn't have to take notes he doesn't have to do all this because he's got it all recorded. I thought that was a brilliant thing. I agree. I like that a lot. And you know, with when we got movie universes with like guys in iron suits flying around and Spider-Man suits that can do just about anything, I don't think having like a contact lens that can record stuff is too far out of the realm of possibility yeah. of yeah. reality. You know, so I thought that was really cool as well. Um, I. Uh, I thought Pattinson did a great job. Uh, I thought he, he, like you said, he was a really good Batman. One of the things that this is not an original thought, but something that a friend of mine pointed out that I really liked um, too, was how this was a Batman movie in that we had very little of Bruce Wayne actually. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you touched on that too, a little while ago, but it's, it's, it's a lot of him in the suit as Batman. It's not all action. It's not just an all out action film. But there was no doubt it was a Batman movie. It wasn't just like, oh, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne. Oh, here's a little bit of Batman. Like The Dark Knight Rises was, where Batman was barely even in the film, you know? This is yeah. a Batman movie from start to finish. Like, you know, that was cool, you know? Yeah, and I like the portrayal of that. I like the fact they did that because it just shows, you know, Bruce has given up on being a normal person. He talks about all the – he keeps the journal because all the nights are blending into one. He's nocturnal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's just the Batman, and I like I like that. And he's he hadn't even thought that he's basically gone. Bruce Wayne's pointless. There's no point being Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Whereas when you, when you find out what's gone on in the story, if he'd actually been Bruce Wayne and dealt with the business a bit more, being a bit more involved, like Alfred was trying to do it, mm -hmm. he probably would have got onto what was going on a lot quicker and realizing how it was tied in. And yeah. I think as the as this if the films go on with Robert Pattinson, I think we'll probably see him developing the Bruce Wayne persona. It'd be right. nice to actually see him, you know, where he's all miserable and stuff, practicing, smiling and being, and being like that charming Bruce Wayne. Yeah, character. playboy millionaire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause... Go ahead. I was just going to say, because there's people, I've seen people online going, oh, he's being all like miserable and everything. And, but you think about it, the only time he was in public as Bruce Wayne 
was it a funeral? So it right. made sense anyway. He wasn't going to do it. But. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the same thing. Somebody complaining that they were like, where's the, the, the Playboy millionaire and everything. I'm like, yeah, but this is still early on. He's young. He hasn't really developed that persona yet. He's still in mourning for his parents at this point. So like, I didn't need to see that yet. You know what I mean? Like I was totally okay with him being sort of this, you know, dour, doubting, sad Bruce Wayne because he hasn't gotten to that point. So I agree. I'd love to see in the next film to develop the Bruce Wayne persona a little bit more. You know, I think it would be really interesting yeah. for sure. Also, how many actual real life billionaires do you see out in public? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Good point. Um, I did also like, so I mentioned earlier how much I love Cataclysm and No Man's Land and, and having a Batman disaster story, disaster film. I thought it was really interesting, like, because I wasn't really paying attention to my watch. So when he, when they captured the Riddler, I was kind of like, oh, all right, cool. We're going to wrap things up now. And then there's this whole like third act where they were like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm blowing up the seawall and we're going to flood the city. And I was like, holy crap, what? And then they did. And that was really cool. And I love that whole sequence in the in the convention center, the, the stadium and everything. And it was like, that was kind of, I was thinking of Cataclysm and No Man's Land. Yeah, so yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, it's a little bit of that Batman disaster film thing. I liked the... I like the bad guys that the, you know, the Riddler influenced a little bit of social commentary kind of there with like these, you know, right wing militia people and stuff, which I, I really liked that, you know, um, and, uh, you know, that that was a neat story. I, I you know, I, I just thought that was a great way to sort of continue and take it a little bit further, you know, after you solve this mystery. It's kind of like, oh, OK, but you guys, you still want a big action climax. Oh, OK, we, we got you covered. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Because I kind of thought at that point when they captured the Riddler that the big action climax was the car chase with the Penguin. I was like, all right, that was pretty cool. So I'm okay with that. But then they were like, no, 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 no. We're not done yet. And, you know, sometimes you roll your eyes at that. But this time it was like, okay, give it to me. Like, you know, that was really yeah, cool. I, I did like that when he realized that the plan wasn't what he thought it was and there was more to it. It was good. Yeah. That, again, it shows this Batman doesn't – he's he's still learning. He's still really – you know, he's still – he's not infallible. He's not omnipotent. Yeah. Yeah, I saw somebody commenting, too, about how he solved the, all the puzzles too easily. I'm like, really? Because he missed the big one that caused the city to flood. Like, he didn't figure that one out. You know, a couple of riddles he figured out easily. That's not that hard, right? I figured out one or two of them as I was watching the film before, the, you know, they did. Like, but, you know, the thing with the map on the floor and everything, when he says, I gave you everything you need, that he missed. Like, that's, yeah, big, yeah. that's you know, that's a big deal. I, 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 I did like the was URL. Cool. It was fallible. Yeah, yeah. The URL, uh, I like that one. That was good. yeah. Yeah, I agree. That. And that one took a little while, too. So I don't I don't get that complaint. But um, yeah. And then I think, like I said, I think like you mentioned too, the film, it just looked great, you know, and it was dark, but it was never like you could always tell what was happening. You could see the action like they just really did everything well. Like there's so many of these types of movies where it's like, oh, here's a fight scene. I can't tell who's fighting who. Or I can't tell what's happening right now because it's all it's all edited to within an inch of its life. But I didn't really have that with this film. I felt like it was all very cohesive and very coherent and I could follow what was going on on screen at all times, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I also, I really like the Batmobile when they first, because you, you kept seeing bits of the Batmobile and he's putting it together. But yeah. when it first, when he basically just turns it on and just that, that wine, I just, yeah. that's something filled the cinema because it was scary. It was just that <laughs> scary wine. It was just like, right. and the war starts coming up. But when it was going on, like the penguins looking at it going, what the hell's that? And every, everybody's yeah. basically going, <gasps> but I just like was going, oh my, that's how you make an entrance. And it was just, I'd, I'd heard that uh, Matt Reeves had mentioned how he was inspired by Christine a little bit for the Batmobile. Oh, cool. Oh, I could cool. see that. It's got this kind of, when you're being chased down by that car, you would be like the penguin. You'd be going, oh, my God, I've got to get away from this. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's, you know, the guys inside it, but that car itself and making that sound, you'd be going, what is it? It's yeah. just 
I, I thought the sound design was fantastic. Absolutely. Speaking of, I will also give credit to um, Colin Farrell for being absolutely fantastic <laughs> as the yeah. Penguin. Uh, and it's funny because I forgot it was him that was playing it. You know, I haven't done a lot of reading or watching trailers for this film or anything. Like I said, I try and keep my expectations low. And so going into the film, I, when, when I was sitting there watching, I'm like, okay, I know that's somebody famous, but I can't remember who it is. But I'm like, whatever, I'll figure it out when the credits come. And then when the credits rolled and it was like Colin Farrell, I was like, oh my God, I forgot that was Colin <laughs> Farrell. Like, that's so crazy because he doesn't look or sound anything like him. Like, what a great job he did in the makeup and everything. Like, was so impressive, you know, um, really, really well done. Oh, I think the whole supporting cast was good. That was the other thing. I thought Zoe Kravitz as a Catwoman, Selena Kyle was great. Mm -hmm. And I liked the way it was the the whole look of her uh, was a, just was pulled from the page as a Batman year one as well. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, you know, when she's in the apartment and things. I, I like that. Uh, right. I like the whole way it was. She was the reasons why she was involved in it. As yeah, well was good. yeah. Yeah. Yes, uh, I thought story-wise that worked really well. Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't like she, she was just having to be pinching stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Connection. Exactly. And uh, Jeffrey Wright, I thought was terrific as, as Commissioner. Gordon, oh yeah, I really liked that. He was great I, too. I liked a little bits of uh, humor with when he was involved. I, I loved the bit with the uh, thumb drive. That mm -hmm, was great. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. And uh, Paul Dano as Riddler. Yes, he's really. Good. I mean, you go from being like wearing that suit like it's like Seven meets the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. So, and then when you finally see him without the mask on and he's just got that that smile, and right? He just looks like. And when he yeah. when he loses it as well in the uh, the prison cell when he realizes Batman's not not on his side. Yeah. I thought that was he's yeah he's chilling. He was really good at doing. That. I agree. And Paul Dano's always a great actor. I I think, but I I do think he did a great job. A lot of credit to him because he's wearing a mask through the entire film. Basically, that's mm -hmm. like not a lot of like FaceTime on camera, but he did a great job with it. Um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned Seven because I've described the film. To some people, some people have asked me like, should I go see it? I'm like, well. If you just want to see a guy dressed up as a bat beating people up, no. But if you want to see Batman dropped into the movie Seven, then absolutely. And that's that's kind of how I describe it. You know, not quite so violent, of course. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It is very much that like Batman in the the Seven aesthetic, you know, um, which was fascinating and should not have necessarily worked as well as it did, but it but it did. Yeah. Um, so Matt Reeves yeah. did a good job. Yeah, a lot, a lot to like. Um, it's interesting speaking of Matt Reeves real quickly. I just tell you, I, I, I interviewed him several years ago. I can't remember what movie I interviewed him for. I don't think it was Cloverfield. It might've been one of the planet of the apes movies. It was a phone interview. Um, and I had like 20 minutes with him and I had a whole list of questions to ask him. I think I got through two and a half of those questions because he talks at such length and he's so smart. He's one of those guys who's so intelligent that I asked him a question and it was like a 10 minute answer. And about two minutes into it, I was like, I have no idea what you're even talking about anymore. Like you've lost me because this is your, your, you're so intellectual and so esoteric with the way you think that I, I honestly don't really know what we're talking about anymore. Um, <laughs> I always remember that he's a nice enough guy, but just so like, He's just one of those people who operates on a different plane, I think, than most people do. And I, I think that you can see that in this film. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Everything was deliberate. There was nothing accidental about it. Yeah, cool. One more. Um, go ahead. Do you have something? Do you want to say something? No, no, no. One more thing I'll say um, on the positive side uh, that was um, we talked about when we mentioned Hush. There was a much more direct connection to Hush in the film, which was the journalist that um, uh, Falcone uh, or Falcone killed was uh, William Elliott. That's, Yo, that's it. Yes, that's yeah. Tommy Elliot's dad that's from right, yeah. the Hush storyline, and Tommy Elliot, of course, being a huge piece of the Hush storyline. So I was wondering if we were going to see any more from that, and they didn't go any further with it. But it did make me wonder if they were going to develop that for a further film, or if it was just a neat little Easter egg, like, hey, we can throw this in here for the fans. But I thought of that was course. cool. 
Yeah, of course, that's the name. Because when he came up and he was mentioning his name, I was going, oh, I didn't get the connection with the name, but it's, yeah. it's, it's got my head going. I was going, oh, he's going to be, it'll be like the Riddler's going to be his son and stuff. So it must have been something was knocking on in my head. But yeah, right, that's, right, right. Yeah. that's an excellent point, yeah. I like the way as well, because of that as well, it showed uh, uh, Bruce Wayne's parents weren't... Uh, super squeaky clean like they're often portrayed yeah yeah there was there was right and i and i was a little worried when when they set it up to be like his dad had this guy killed because i was like okay let's not go the other direction either though where we need to like take an effectively good character and make them a bad guy just because it suits our idea for the story right i like the way they resolve that as you know yeah he did something he was ashamed of but he never meant for the guy to get killed like that wasn't the line he was prepared to cross you know that i was happy with because i hate when they do that they're just like oh this character that's been in the comics for 50 years yeah they're a bad guy now and you're like really do we have to you know yeah i I, I worried that as well but the way they change it yeah 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 All right, so oh, let's. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Thing, Andy Serkis, yeah. I thought was good as Alfred. I just wish there'd been a bit more of him. But uh, I like the way they took the Alfred from the uh, Batman Earth One. Yes, that's a great story. It was basically him, wasn't it? He was the the ex. You could tell he was like an ex soldier, and he's because yep. he, he mentioned how he trained Bruce. So I don't know whether they're gonna have in this in this version of the film whether Bruce being trained by the uh, the League of Shadows. Yeah, I don't know whether that's going to be touched on, but yeah, I did like that. And I thought Andy Serkis did a good job. Just wish there'd been a bit more. I like the fact he was solving some of the puzzles as well. Yes, yes, agreed. I liked him um, quite a bit, and I agree with you. It could have been a little bit more, or at least at the end, I would have liked to have seen one more scene with them together um, yeah, yeah, after yeah. the hospital scene. But um, I did actually think maybe they are going to kill him, and I'm glad that they I'm glad they didn't. So Yeah, I wasn't sure what they were going to do there. Right. I, I was thinking that. So, um, okay, so let's flip it a little bit and talk about if there's any things, and I'm, this isn't like, let's tear the movie apart. Obviously, we both enjoyed it quite a bit, but I had a few, there's a few things that I took a little bit of issue with. Was there anything that stood out for you? Yeah, I really didn't like the the cameo of the Joker or the figure in the... It, yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. When the, when the Riddler's in the cell in Arkham and then there's the guy talking, uh, mm-hmm. which is, what's his name? Oh, Keon. Yeah, well, so I, I was convinced, because again, I didn't know who it was. I was convinced it was Jake Gyllenhaal, because he sounds just like Jake Gyllenhaal in that scene. Oh, Next time you watch yeah, it, yeah. He, he's, I was like, oh, they're going to get Jake Gyllenhaal to play the Joker. Great. And then I watched the credits, and I was like, oh, it's Riley Keoghan. I was like, that's not Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, he played uh, Drug, Druig or whatever in The Eternals. He was kind of like the young kid. Not the young, young kid, but like the... the yeah, like yeah the, the mind control the guy, yeah. yeah. Um, he's, been in, he's been in lots of things. He was in uh, Killing of a Sacred Day with Colin Farrell. He yeah, 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 right. Really, yep. He often plays these yeah characters are a little bit a little bit way a little bit woo, yeah a little bit, yeah right yeah but that I, wasn't my favorite scene i get why they put it in there i didn't hate it but it wasn't my favorite scene in the it film, just it just felt favorite. shoehorned in it was something like yeah. oh and it just seemed to go on a little bit too long and i was going you don't always have to have the joker in i mean right, he might not right. be the joker but he's basically the joker but you don't yeah. have to have him in yeah it, it would have been nice though it would have been i'm not sure whether i would have liked it more or not if it had been joaquin phoenix mm, yeah that could have been interesting but too, I, but I don't know. But then it's a whole, it's a whole different thing. But, I know yeah. they're supposed to be separate movies; they're not supposed to be in the same. But I feel like there was definitely um, a lot of connective tissue. I don't see why they have to be separate. I guess mm. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but that's a fair criticism. Um, so I'm going to actually use something I really liked to get to something that I didn't like as much, which was this. I'm super glad they didn't even touch on Batman's origin in this film. Didn't yeah. even touch it. I love that because we all know Batman's origin. However, I could have used a little bit more on 
Catwoman on Sabrina Kyle. Like more on like the like how did she become like okay, so you get the impression she's like this, you know, mobster's daughter living this tough life, maybe working as a prostitute or something like that. Also happens to have high-tech tools and enough smarts to use them to break into a safe in a rich guy's house. No. Okay, like if she's got that ability, tell me how she got that ability a little bit. Like a, a two-minute origin story on her would have been super helpful. Do you know what I mean? Like, why did she wear a mask that happened to have cat ears? Because they don't usually look like that when you just put on a ski, what looked like a very clearly a handmade ski mask. Why did you put ears in it to look like a cat? Like, I, I just could have used just a tiny bit of background yeah. on her. Yeah. I think, I think a few more things maybe in her apartment, just would have said, like maybe, uh, you know, like at a gymnastics award, mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. like that. Things little, something. Best safe backer, yeah. ribbon, she, you know. But she mentions her past... A little bit, but just that's about her, like her, her parents and things. But you, I could just see in her apart when he's when he's watching her, you can see in the uh, when she's getting changed into the Catwoman suit, you can see she seems to have more equipment as well on the walls and things. But yeah. yeah, yeah. I just would have liked just a little bit more on like how she sort of got that good at that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she's she's way too good at being Catwoman to just sort of like decide to throw on a mask one day and break into a guy's house. Like, you know what I mean? There's more to it than that. And again, I, I don't need like a full, yeah. full origin. That was just, it kind of took me out of the movie a little. I'm like, wait a minute. How does she know how to do all that? How does she be able to crack this guy's safe and all that? You know, it just seemed like, like I said, even a sentence or two to kind of explain it would have helped me a little bit, but minor nitpick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. I can see that. Um, yeah. Good. Any, anything else? I'm trying to think I did have whatever we've covered. Uh, part of me, it's a little bit, we've already mentioned the ending, how, you know, you caught the Riddler and then there was the big thing, the big set piece and things. And I, I, I did like it. I did enjoy it, but it almost, it almost felt a bit like they did with the dark Knight, where they had, it, it seemed to end and then it went on again. Yeah. It's but in the, with the dark Knight, I really didn't like that. It felt like the whole two face thing. It just, that felt really forced. Like it was, that was going to be, that should have been a cut. And then that should have been the start of another film. Absolutely. It's one of my big where, problems with dark Knight. That, yeah, that whereas picture. it worked a lot better in this one, but there was like a few, times was it was going it ended and when it did finally end the actual ending was a little bit seemed to just peter out a bit right it's funny it? that I, I i showed off the lord of the rings uh box set um because yeah, yeah, the thing that i've said is that it's like the that the, about the batman is that it's like the return of the king with endings like yeah every yeah. there would be a scene and i'd be like oh that's the perfect ending shot yeah, and then it was like exactly, nope, yeah, yeah, yeah. not done yet and then they'd have another scene and you're like oh that's a perfect ending and then it was like oh but here's another one and like three or four times where they had this really nice clearly clear shot to end the film on that you're like oh that's perfect and they were like, but wait, there's more. It was a little bit, you know, I, and I, I ultimately I liked most of the ending scenes. So I, I, I don't count that as a huge flaw, but yeah, it was kind of a little bit of that. Yeah. I had that return of the King feeling a little bit where it was like, here's another ending. You know what I mean? Here, I, I can't remember what was the actual, actual ending scene. I can't remember. It was him on the bike. It was him looking in the rear view and then closing up on his face on the yeah. bike. You know? Yeah. So, Which, yeah. you know, kudos for not just doing the Batman standing on top of a building with the cake flowing as your final shot, you know, but. Yeah, I just thought there was a couple other scenes where it was like the perfect shot to end on. Then it was like, nope, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that was that you was know. the other thing which got me. Yeah, the cameo and the the ending were the main things. Right, right, right. Uh, but it was good because lots of it was was filmed in Liverpool. So oh. the bits when the, you see outside the uh, when he pulls up for the the funeral, uh -huh. that's all St George's Hall. That's just been passed there many times. You could see the museum and the art gallery. Right, and then right, they, right. They, then they painted in. Or CGI'd in the rest of the city around it, but it was great seeing that. Also, the bit when he jumps off the building at the police Gotham 
police HQ. That's mm-hmm. the Liver Building. It's one of the towers there. And there was when that was being filmed, he was like, well, helicopters going around. You could actually see the stuntman at the top in the Batman costume. But it was it was great seeing that being uh, based in Liverpool. Yeah, lots, for sure. Lots of awesome. cool Gothic uh, architecture there. Yeah, yeah, very cool. cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, any other problems that you had with the film or things which just... Um, you know, I, I think I had a few minor things here and there, but honestly, now that I'm talking about it, none of them are coming back to me, um, mm-hmm. except for the Catwoman thing was the big one for me. And I do agree with you on the on the endings and the the, the Joker cameo. Um, but um, yeah, nothing to... Um, Nothing that really, I mean, honestly, the one thing that I, that bothers me, and this goes back to the comics, was, you know, this goes back all the way back to Long Halloween. I, Jeff, I wish Jeff Loeb had picked names that sounded less uh, similar for the two warring crime families, the Falcones and the Maronis. That always to me is like, wait, what? Let's say Falcone or then Maroni. I'm like, wait, which one is he again? Like, yeah, I wish yeah. it had been like the Falcones and like the Smiths, you know, or the, the, the manjas or something else you can be yeah, Italian yeah. sounding but like something that they just there my brain gets those things miswired sometimes and again that's not this movie's fault they're using the characters that already exist but it, there was a few times they're like Maroni did this Falcone did that and I was like wait okay he's okay he's that one right like that's yeah. the chance I've, I've always felt that yeah with yeah all that, the comics and whenever they've shown up yep, in the films yeah yep, yeah that one drives me nuts so but yeah no not a lot of flaws that again could have shaved a few minutes here and there um but but yeah uh yeah, really it's interesting too this is one of those films you know there are some films where it's like the longer you sit with them the more you like them yeah yeah this is one of those movies where it's like every day further away from seeing it i think i like it more and more it's part of the reason i want to see it again to make sure it's not just my brain sort of working yeah, into a yeah. fury over it um but definitely i liked it by the time i came out of the theater but then as i got further and further away from it i was like man that was i just keep going back to it and thinking about it you know so that's always a good sign for me oh totally yeah because i keep i've been thinking about it since i saw it and it's yeah. just it's 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 a it's a good film. I think it's really well. It's a really well made film as well. It really is. Yeah, hard but to argue. Uh, with. Uh, if we, we've seen like the bits which could, could be teasing Kush as well. There's a bit at the end as well where he uh, he gets the he, you know he's been point blank range on us with a shotgun. He's like he can't get up. He's in pain, but he gets mm-hmm. like the I like he got the, the the veil of like probably adrenaline and put it in there. Yeah, but, and also that put me in mind could be uh, venom. Venom. Yeah. So yeah. That could be cool too. Lots of little little things like that, but there's I meant I meant to write them down because there was other little mentions, there were all references right. to other films right. and stories, but I, I can't remember them all now. They yeah. The line, but uh, yeah, I yeah. really well, like. Now I'm I'm just hoping that they'll they'll keep this team together. You know, like let's make sure we get Pattinson back for another film or two. Let's see if we can get Matt Reeves involved again. You know, it's hard with with directors, it seems like, but like you know, the sort of rotating bat cast we've had over the past past few movies, like. Let's see if yeah. we can shut that down and just have a new Batman every time there's a new movie. Like, let's see if we can kind of build on this one because this is a Batman universe I want to see more of. So let's yeah. let's you know let's bring more of these films out before we change things up again. You know. Yeah, I like the, yeah some consistency, and I'd like to see it sooner rather than later. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah. But well, that was my other one. My one yeah. other complaint flaw I'll mention real quick, and it's a very minor one. Again, I wish they had also. I'm glad they didn't touch on his origin. I wish they had made it a little bit clearer that it was like year two. There's like that one quick scene of like his folder that says year two, and he talks about it a little bit in his voiceover. Yeah, yeah. But I wish they yeah. made it a tiny bit clearer that this was like a a still relatively young and new Batman. Because I do feel like some people are sort of like, well, why isn't he more like the Batman we know? Because I'm like. I think they could have just made it a little bit clearer that he's still, and I know they did with the stuff like you've mentioned him falling off the building, you know, when he lands and he, you know, stuff like that. But I 
just one or two little more things, something he says or something you see that that's kind of clues us into like, hey, this is still the really fresh raw Batman, still figuring it all out. I think could have been helpful, but again, minor nitpick. So now, and on a similar lines as well, it's the whole bit with at the end with the sea wall being blasted and the the water coming in. I'd, I'd forgot. I think it was mentioned early on how there is a sea wall, but it's. And mm. got, but it's only like it's a throwaway line. So when that happens, that's never really been a big part of it, from what I recall. Right, I right. Was, you know, there's bridges connecting it. It's like up there. So when that happened and the water came pouring, and I was going, "Where'd that come from?" And then I was going, right. oh, I "That was mentioned, but yeah. it just seemed to be, oh, okay." Because I don't think there was many establishing shots of of that. Yeah, there could again, same thing. Could have been just a couple more establishing shots of yeah. Gotham as more of like an island or a peninsula, you know, uh, would have helped with that for sure. Yeah. I think for me, I, I definitely was like, oh, what? oh, a seawall. That's interesting. But I think that I kind of, my mind went back to like the comics, sort of yeah. knowing Gotham is sort of like a stand in for Manhattan and it's yeah. sort of meant to be like an island. So I kind of put it together quickly. But I can see where if you're not a comics reader, that might be like, wait, what? So, and I know you are a comics reader, but I'm just saying I can, I can see where that comes yeah. from. But, sure. it's, yeah, it's, but I, I like that. I thought it was a good way of doing it. But yeah, just something else because it just it just made me uh, go, oh, oh yeah, right, right, just yeah, for a moment, yeah, yeah. valid. But, concern. Okay, one because uh, I think we've covered most of it. Yeah, but uh, just thoughts going in for a sequel. I mean, I mentioned I'd like to see the uh, the Court of Owls and stuff. But right, right. What villains would you like to see in the sequel? You know, honestly, as long as there's only one of them, I don't care that much. I just don't want them to do the thing that the superhero movies tend to do, where it's like, okay, film, second film, let's put three bad guys in. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to go Joker, like, give us Joker. Don't. That's one of my biggest problems with The Dark Knight. It was like, you got Joker, you don't need Two-Face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to give us, you know, Two-Face or whatever, or, or Hush, you know, or Bane or whatever, which I hope not Bane, but... You know, I'd like honestly, I think I'd like to see them go with the Hush story. I mean, even if they even if they don't go with the story from the comics, even if they just sort of use the Hush character, I can in this Batman universe, the idea of having this character who knows his secrets and can use them against him, I can see how in in this cinematic world that would be really interesting. Because we got almost a hint of it at the end when the when the Riddler seems like he knows who Bruce Wayne is. Yeah, yeah. So and I, I think it also because I love the detective aspect of this film so much. And Hush has this this mystery at the core of it of who this character is. I think that it's a great way to keep it with that detective front and center rather than just going into him, you know, fighting bad guys all the time. Yeah. So that's you probably know, where I'd like to see it. Well, I, I mean, the fact this one did have the Penguin and the Riddler in it, but I like the mm. way, you know, because the Riddler was just like this kind of, if they do have a, multiple villains, I'd like it to be a bit like that where one of them is sort of just like a supporting kind of like an informant or something like that. Yeah, I think I, I, you're right. I didn't think about that because I, I think of the Penguin, even though we know he's a villain, though, the way they played him in this movie, he wasn't really the villain. He was yeah, just yeah. a sort of a henchman almost who, you know, they set it up for him to become the next kind of become a villain. But he's always too like, you know, what they've done with him in the comics and stuff has made him more of like, a, a, a you know, a mobster, an information broker. Like, I don't know that we're ever going to see him in the film being like going up against Batman as like, the big bad you know I, I like him more as what they did with this where he's sort of the guy who knows what's going on he's making the deals he's kind of running things behind the scenes but more from like a business perspective rather than like hey i've got a magic umbrella and a bunch of birds and you know a top hat and the cigarette uh, cigarette yeah i i, you know? I like what did. but there's so I, I feel like you could still have him in the second film and bring in a new villain and it wouldn't it wouldn't be the sort of the too many thing totally, you know totally, yeah but i mean because meant to be doing a like a mini series, aren't they, with Colin Farrell's Penguin? That's, I that's believe cool. that's supposed to be in the works. Yeah, that, that'd be interesting. But yeah. uh, I personally, I hope they don't have the Joker in the next one. Yeah, it'd be nice they, to they go, go back a little further yeah. before I, they bring him in. Part of me is thinking it'd be good 
it'd be nice to get a villain which hasn't been seen on the big screen. Agreed. But then Agreed. also part, part of me would like to see what they do with uh, Mr. Freeze. In this oh, yeah. Universe, because that, that'd be really interesting, especially because be. the whole... Uh, the whole, you know, the tragic backstory with his, you know, his wife and things like yeah. that. Yeah, they could do. Something tells me they won't go that way, though, because I think no, no, a, yeah. a little too science fiction yeah, for yeah. what they're doing with this film, you know. I could even see them doing like a Mr. Zazz or somebody who's like a serial killer. Yeah, that could work. That'd be know, although they kind of touched on that a little bit with how they did the Riddler, so maybe not. But that's where I think Hush could work, too, you know. Yeah. I think you could get a really gritty, you know, real world based version of Hush. In, yeah. in this I mean, universe. you wouldn't even have to do the, the whole he looks like Bruce Wayne or they have the facelift to look like it could be wearing a mask or yeah yeah totally absolutely so but yeah all right I'm okay well there you the next yeah yeah sorry yeah no that's okay there you go that uh that is our spirited discussion of the batman i think we had a lot to say about that but it seems like a lot of other people do too so hopefully um you don't mind the spoilers and you uh you know uh but if you're if you're again if you're watching or listening um you know even after the fact drop your comments let us know what you thought of the film and um maybe we'll show them in a future episode all right. Well, we have gone on long enough, Phil. This is a bit of a long episode, but we got Batman stuff to talk about. It's our almost all Batman episode. So, because, um, you know, we had Tim Burton and Michael Keaton early on with Beetlejuice. So it, it sort of ties in. It's been good. Uh, it's been a good one. Yeah. But I think it's time to wrap things up. So, um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, as always. But thank you very much for listening. Um, and yeah, that's about it. So, oh, well, yes, go ahead. When we're back in a couple of weeks, well, near the end of the, the month, we're going to be having an interview with a very special guest. Yes, indeed. Do you want to tell them who? Yes, we, we recently spoke to Garth Ennis, comic book creator, who created The Boys, uh, Preacher, Hitman, and lots of many, many other things. And we talked about them, 2000 AD, and many more. We had a, a chat with him for an hour. And yeah. That will be coming up because he's done a comic book sequel to the 1980s fantasy film, Hawk the Slayer. So... Join yeah, us. He did his own after the ending, so we got him on after the ending. We're very excited. <laughs> it's, it's a great chat with him. He talked about many different things. It was a good, yeah. good laugh. So that will be coming up at the end of this month, March 2022. Yes, exactly. Very excited about that, about talking to Garth Ennis. You guys, I think, will really enjoy that one. All right, there you go. So a little tease for uh, one of our next episodes, but um, I think we'll leave it there. So thank you again for listening. As always, I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next time. After the ending.